Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. God bless America. Despite who's running for office or who is in office. Thank God. We, we, we adhere to what our forefathers rallied around a cry when they signed the Declaration of Independence, and it became their cry for some time, and it was no king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. Probably won't read about that in your history books, but it is part of our history. We actually are a Christian nation, despite what our president says. Amen. And we're becoming even more so that way, because I believe that this is the church's finest hour. I really do. And I know you can look around and go, how can you possibly say that? Because the church always does well and excels under pressure. Anytime it's, it's tried to be silenced, all of a sudden there's breakthrough. All of a sudden the church gets louder because Jesus is building his church. And if Jesus is building my family, there's no man that can do anything about it. There's no governmental system that can do anything about it. They've tried and tried for, for generations to take it down, to remove God, to get this out of the world, and they, they've all, they're all in their graves, right? And they continue, but the Word of God continues to stand, and the church continues to stand to be a beacon of light for the world. Amen. A hope for the world. And we continue to bring this message of hope for the world. That is, Christ died for our sins. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Isn't that a marvelous message? And when we turn on the lights, that's what we do. We turn on the light. We reveal the light of the gospel. Then the darkness is dispelled. Praise God. So that's what we come to bring. We come to show the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the life of God into this world who so desperately needs real life. And I'm happy to be part of a church that is sold out to that cause why we are called One Cause Church, based on what Jesus said when he stood before Pilate in John chapter 18, when he said, for this cause I was born. It was for this cause that I came into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. And so we continue to take up his cause to bear witness of the truth, the truth of the gospel, that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is the only thing that can save. It is a message that came to us that saved us. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Words came. You heard, you heard words, and in those words, there was power to save you. It's what happened in, in, in the very first time in, uh, that a, a Gentile or somebody like us got saved in the Scriptures. And You read that story in Acts chapter 10, a man by the name of Cornelius. And when the angel was talking to him, he told him, you need to send for a guy named Peter, and he'll come and tell you what you need to do. Well, you go to the next chapter, and Peter is recounting in, in more detail what happened. And he said, the angel told Cornelius... Peter, when he comes, he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Think about that. See, Cornelius had works down. The scripture says he was a devout man, one who feared God with all of his house. He gave alms generously to the poor, gave the poor people generous gifts, and he prayed to God always. And, and, and all of that looked good on the outside, but, but he wasn't saved. And, 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 and if he had died, even though he did all those good things, he still wouldn't have made it to heaven. Because God makes sure that we all understand today, it is not by our works. It is by his grace that we're saved through faith. If men could get there of their own doing, then Jesus died for no reason. 
He suffered for no reason. If there were just some other way to get to God besides through him. But he said, no, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's it. See, God didn't so love the world that he gave the world all kinds of religions. Man came up with those religions. God so loved the world that he gave one thing to us. He gave his only begotten son. And God is convinced that Jesus is the answer for every man, woman, and child. So anybody who calls on him shall be saved, the scripture says. And it's those words that have come to us. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. He did that for our sins. And if we'll believe on him, we'll receive everlasting life. Isn't that a marvelous thing? I love this gospel. I don't like how so much of the church has complicated it and made it foggy and made it about us when it has nothing to do with us. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. And the way it starts to do with us is when we simply believe it. I love this. This whole story, God's whole story is about his love for his son, and then he invited us all to be a part of that love. Marvelous thing. He will tell you words. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I need to keep saying it because if, if we don't keep speaking the truth, we'll get religious real quick. You know what I'm talking about? Just when I think that I've, I've gotten all the religion out of my life, somewhere along the way, I find some more still in there. Stuff I still need to unteach. The more I read the scriptures and hear the word of God, the pure gospel, I go, man, I've been making this hard on myself. Amen. But St. Francis of Assisi said years ago, and I do emphasize sissy. <laughs> I wonder how his dad felt about that. St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> <laughs> his dad's name. <laughs> okay, anyway, he said, and, and it sounded profound when it came out. Listen to him, it sounds profound. It sounds profound to people who love being religious. It sounds profound to people who love legalism, who love laws and regulations. And it says this, let us preach the gospel and use words if we have to. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're, you think someone... You think someone can get saved <clears throat> because you're acting right? No, 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 no. It's a message. It's words. The gospel is words. We have to use words if we're going to preach the gospel. Now listen, your lifestyle could help someone else come to know God, but it certainly can't save them. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Didn't even mean to preach any of that. So um, that's bonus for you. And uh, we'll, we'll receive another offering at the end of the service. So uh, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. Right after this service, we're going to our picnic, which is going to be great at Myers Park. So I want to encourage you to be there. That's where several of the people are. They're already there cooking your lunch. So amen. Last week, we talked about how to have great faith. And we, we looked at this woman who was a foreigner and I mean a foreigner as in that she was not a Jew. This is during Jesus' ministry. And as we've, we've talked about this and, and, and seen clearly from the scriptures, and we'll see that verse again here in a moment, where Jesus said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you might get your feelings hurt, Gentile. Jesus did not come to the earth for you. Let me, say, let me, let me clear up what, I'm, what I mean. 
He did not come to do his ministry on earth for you. That is, his teaching ministry and his healing ministry. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now his blood, thank God, was shed for all of us. But when he came to the earth to do a specific ministry, none of us were in that picture. And people like us were out. The only children of Abraham, only those who, who were, were covenant people and descendants of Abraham. All right? So God had a special eye on them. And, and they were the object of his affection. And if you were outside of that, tough. That's just the way it was back then. It's not like that anymore, thank God. Now we read, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, but the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Yeah. So, but, th but then it was, that's, that's how it was. And so now this, this, this woman, she's a Gentile woman, she comes to Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 31, is that right? Or 21. 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, or we'll just say she's a North Texan, all right, came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So see, here's the thing. Jesus didn't answer her a word. And, and, and if, if we're honest today, that we would say that Jesus was rude. Was he not? If someone's coming to you and they're asking you to pray for them and you, you just ignore them and keep walking by, if you saw a pastor do that, how would you feel about that pastor? What would you think about that preacher? You'd think he was rude, wouldn't you? And then we got the preacher of all preachers here, Jesus. And she said, Jesus, my daughter is severely demon-possessed because we know that he can cast out devils. He's already proved that. I mean, he can, he's got all this authority. And he doesn't even acknowledge her. He answers, doesn't answer her a word. What is going on with Jesus? I thought, he was, I thought he was a hippie, man. No, Jesus isn't being rude. He showed us. I'm not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, Jesus was on a mission. And his mission was, whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. Whatever he tells me to say, that's what I say. And he didn't say anything to me about this lady, so I got to keep moving. All right? He was sold out to his mission. All right, now this woman's desperate. She's in need. Watch this, though. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Anybody prayed that prayer before? Lord, help me. Sometimes that's all you can get out. And he hears it. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, wow, thanks, Jesus. So ignore me, fine. Insult me, I'm done with you. Look what he says. It's not good. Let me ask you a question. If he said it wasn't good to give her what belonged to the children of Israel, is he telling the truth? Is it right? Is, is what Jesus said right? He said, it's not good that I give you what only belongs to them. Is Jesus telling the truth? I hope he's telling the truth. He is the truth. It's not a trick question. The answer is a, a, a resounding yes. Can I have a resounding yes here today? Yes. All right, okay. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now watch her. Verse 27. Yeah, yes, Lord. But even, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. In other words, what she just said was, you're responsible for me because you're my master. And I'm your little dog. Now what are you going to do? So then Jesus said, well, I better take care of my little dog. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, 
great is your faith. Watch. Let it be to you. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. He just said it's not good. Now, how is he giving her what's not good and still be good? How, how can that be? It's not good. One version says it's not right that I do this. Is Jesus really going to do something that's not right now? Mm. This helps us understand something about faith today that we need to remember, my family. There's nothing more absolute than your faith in God. She changed Jesus' mind by her faith. She changed his mind. He said, it's not good that I give this to you. And then when she believed, he said, now it's good. Because now he's looking at her like she's another Jew because he sees Abraham when he sees her just believe him like that. He says, I got to honor that. So it doesn't matter who you are. And this is just a little glimpse into what the gospel does for us who are on the outside. If we believe, all of a sudden now we get in, into this covenant and all the rights that come with it. And, he, and so she was, her daughter was healed from that very same hour. Now Mark's gospel is a little bit different. It says, Jesus said to her, for this saying, for this saying, the demon has gone out of your daughter. So it was this thing that she said, it was her faith was expressed in word. This is how your faith is released, my family. Your faith is in God is released through your declaration. And she said, and he said, because you said that, great is your faith. So I, I just want to talk to you from last week to this week about how to have great faith. You know, it is God's desire that we live at this level of great faith because he's a great God and he has great things in store for us. And we have a responsibility and a privilege to grow this faith because we're all given a measure of faith, the scripture teaches us, but it's on us to now exercise that faith, all right? Start building that muscle, growing that, and end up looking like this guy in the spirit. Amen. In faith, he's a faith man. So, so you, 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 how, do you, how do you exercise your faith? How, how do you do it? Well, first of all, you got to hear the word of God because that's how faith comes, right? And then you exercise it by declaring what God has said. All right, you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth. This is, this is a continual exercise. That's a daily exercise of faith in God. All right, saying what God has said. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, look at your Bible and just start saying that. Well, not all of it. I mean, don't, Judas went and hanged himself. I wouldn't necessarily quote, confess that over your life. Uh, but go to that place, where, those places where it says uh, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction, hallelujah, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. We talked about this, but the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their, song, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. I'll stop right there. Yeah. Get the word in you. Get the word in you. And you quote, quote the word over your life. Faith comes and you build yourself on your... The scripture says, well, let me say Romans chapter 4. It says, Abraham was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Well, how was he giving glory to God? He was saying what God said. I'm a father of a multitude of nations. I'm 100 years old, ain't got no kids, but we're about to start our family. Why? Not because, not because I have any hope. I look at this body and think, well, I got one foot in the grave, but I, I don't even consider that. I only consider the promise. Listen to me. Consider only the promise. Consider only what God has promised you. Because your circumstances have a great weakness. They're temporary. Your trouble is temporary. But his word is eternal. And if you'll get it in your mouth, hallelujah, and get it established in your life, things change. By this saying, he said. At this saying, great faith. How do you have great faith? Well, how do, well the first thing we notice from this woman's life is that she said, have mercy on me. The first thing that you need to understand to have great faith is, is that God is merciful. God is merciful. And his mercy is everlasting. It became a theme throughout the Old Testament. As soon as, as, soon as someone wrote the song, go give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. God said, I like that song. Matter of fact, when Jehoshaphat later became king, he said, hey, I want you to do, I want you to put your choir out front in front of your soldiers, all right, and go into battle that way. Poor, poor choir, right? Are you serious? You're going to put the guns and the, well, they didn't have guns back then, but spears and the swords and everything behind us? He says, yeah, put the singers up front. I want y'all to sing that song. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And start singing that song and watch what happens. So they did. The choir, they tuned up and they started singing, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever, marching toward the enemy. And they were facing three different nations. And those three different nations, when they heard them praising God, they all turned on each other and started killing each other. And Israel just stood there and sang and watched all their enemies kill each other. Interesting. The scripture says that praise silences the avenger. It confuses your enemy. When, when you're supposed to be feeling down, when you're supposed to be feeling bad, when you're supposed to be uh, unmotivated to get up and get out of bed and just lay in bed all day and wallow in self-pity, when, when that's, that's, he does these things and he brings this trouble to say, that's what you need to do is lay down and die. But it confuses him when someone stands up and says, no, I'm going to thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are my victory. You are my rock. You are my strength. You are my very present help in time of need. You're my deliverer. You're my healer. You're the one who called me out of darkness and into your mouth. See, the enemy don't know what to do with that. He's like, that person's crazy. Hmm? Merciful. Our God is merciful. And he says, if you want mercy, I want you to come on my terms. Because, because on your terms, it looks like groveling. When you need mercy, you think, oh, please, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Hmm? Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about. Get on your knees, whatever you got to do. And the spouse, you know, we like a little groveling from time to time. Just, 
satisfies the whatever. That's not how God, that's not how God wants us to approach. And we think if we got to face God, oh God, if I got to come for mercy, I need to come. Oh God, I can't even look at you. I'm a worm. I'm not worthy, oh God. And God says, no, if you want mercy, come boldly before the throne of grace. That you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that is act like you deserve what you don't deserve. That's how he wants us to approach. Now that's a humbling thing, isn't it? That's a very humbling thing. It doesn't look like it's humility. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, thank you, I'll take that mercy. That's mine. Thank you, I appreciate that. That just goes against all my kind of thinking and reasoning. But those are his terms, not mine. And he says, if you're going to obtain mercy, you come, you come before me like you're a son, not a slave. Like you're a son, not an employee in the kingdom. Like you're my child, that what I have is freely yours. It's something my dad taught me growing up all years. He, uh, all, I would ask him for something. He'd say, son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. I can always remember my dad saying, all I have is yours. Everything I have, it's yours. Everything he has is yours. He didn't spare his own son. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And the next, the next thought was that, that um, about having great faith is that you recognize Jesus' authority. She said, son of David. Oh, Lord, son of David. See, right there, she didn't just recognize God as, I mean, we all can really understand God who sits on a throne in heaven. We can see that authority, right? We, we, we know that he has authority there, but she recognized his earthly authority. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You recognize Jesus' authority, and the authority is all wrapped up in that name that is above every name. The scripture says that God has given him that name, and at that name, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, you've got a name to call upon, that name that saves you. That's the name also that will deliver you. That's the name that you can call on right now, and it's a very present power and strength and help for you. The name above all names. My, my dad used to own this. Well, we just bought this horse from, from a guy out of California, and we were living in southern Oklahoma. My dad had several horses, and, and so at one time during the day, he would get a bucket of oats, and he would go out to the, toward the pasture, and he would whistle, and he could whistle really loud. And when he whistled, he had the other horses, they all trained to his whistle, so they'd come running to get their little oat snack. Well, Blue never showed up. Blue never, and Dad whistled and, and, and never so, and you could actually see him out there, and he just wouldn't come. So a couple of days later, this guy came over to see how things were going with the horse, you know, and dad had any questions. And so sure enough, it was time for him to feed in some oats. And he said, he said Paul, I can't, I can't get Blue to come uh, uh, to the oats. He said, I whistle for all of the horses. And he says, Blue! And Blue looks up and just trots right over to, to where we're at. He said, he knows his name, John. Oh. You call upon his name and he's there. You call on his name and he's there. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said. You ask in my name, it's yours. And then he, you agree with the word of God. To have great faith, you need to agree with what God has said. Agree with the word of God. That is, she said, True, Lord, but even the little dogs. She agreed with what Jesus said. 
I, w- I want to go to um, a scripture just right quick. Can, we, can you give me just a few more minutes? And then Josh, get ready. I'm going to have you come up in just a moment. There you are, right there. Just a moment. It's Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And I'll start to read here for the sake of it. Okay. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Where are they going? Who said this? Who's he talking to? Talking to his disciples. So they get in a boat. He says, let us cross over to the other side. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, before we judge these guys too harshly, because they're living in this moment, we're reading about this moment. All right? We've already seen hindsight. We've already seen what, what, right now we're going, you shouldn't have said that. To the one who's about to die for your sins, do you not care that we are perishing? But before we jump on them too hard, let's think about this for a moment, family. When God has made, Jesus said, where are they going? To the other side. And a storm arises between that word and that destination. And instead of going, no, Jesus said we're going the other side, guys. Let's chill out. Everything's going to be all right. Instead, they start questioning his character. Lord, where are you? Are you? Well, you don't care? Are you, you're asleep? Don't you know what's going on here? Hey, I gave you a word already. I said where we were going. But you got your eyes full of this storm. And you became afraid. He said, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Their faith would have stayed intact if they would want. Somebody would have just stood up and said, he said, we're going the other side. We're going to be all right. Just hang on for the ride. So I think we can all find ourselves in this moment. When you find yourself in a moment out there, and the promise looks like it's not going to happen. It looks so far away. More than ever at that moment, you need to open your mouth and remind yourself that your own ears hear what God has said again. Because his word will not return void. Can I get a good amen? Amen after my own heart. And lastly, last thought here. In order to have great faith, you receive the promise. Jesus said, be it unto you, whatever you desire. And her daughter was healed. She got what she came for. She did not stop until she obtained that promise. Josh, come up here for a moment, sir, if you would. Officer Josh Munger. He was reminding me of this testimony some time ago, and I, I just wanted him to share this with you because I think it correlates very well with our message. Can we give him a big hand? Okay, pardon me. I'm a little new to this, so just bear with me. Um, I guess this uh, 
testimony all starts about, oh, right about 2004. I met this little boy that uh, was learning to play the drums. I was playing semi-pro football with his father, and uh, this thing materialized and everything like that, but something stuck out about, uh, to me about this little boy. Uh, few, a few years went past. I uh, went into the police academy to become a law enforcement officer. As things progressed, again, going to uh, fast forward about the year of 2010, I actually made the SWAT team and uh, went through an incident with the SWAT team that caused a very life-changing issue. Um, struggled with a lot of PTSD issues and things of that sort. Um, <clears throat> went kind of in a downhill spiral after that. Um, I was in a dead-end relationship. Um, again, fast forward to about 2012. And does everybody remember in 2012 when we had all the ice on the ground, how cold it was out here? Raise, raise your hands, okay. Well, right about that time, again, I was in the middle of this downhill spiral and uh, grabbing at straws. I, to be honest with you, I was not walking with Christ at that point. I got saved at an early age, but I had lost my way. Um, but to continue, I was at rock bottom, and uh, the best place for me to be was hit my knees. And there was an extremely cold night that I was uh, on patrol randomly. I was actually coming back to the office to finish up the night. And believe it or not, I was right out here on Lake Forest Drive, or 1461, about to take the back roads. And I see a figure walking in front of me. I'm like, okay, and this reminds you, this is, it's probably 28 degrees outside, minus two wind chill. And uh, as I get closer and closer to this figure, I'm like, this guy is out here in a ball cap, jeans, and no jacket, just shirt sleeves. So I do my, my duty, I check out on him, and I get out of the car. I notice that he sees, his, he sees my lights, and I'm like, okay. I get out to go make contact with him, and he's got that deer-in-the-headlight look like, what else can go wrong? You know, I think everybody knows that look. <clears throat> and, you know, I try to disarm myself a little bit, and I'm like, hey, hey, I'm just here to help you out. What's going on? Why are you out here in shirt sleeves, of all things? And he just got kicked out of his house. He was losing his family. He didn't know where to go. So I get him in the car, get him warmed up, everything like that, figure out who he is, and uh, we go on. While I make arrangements, I was just trying to get him a place to stay. Uh, calling the Samaritan Inn, calling a, a couple of different places. Well, let him use my cell phone because his cell phone had died. And uh, he, got in touch, he got in touch with a friend. So I dropped him off uh, in McKinney. And it was one of those moments after I had hit my knees, I was like, God, I need a turnaround. I need something. 
Well, I was thinking about that time that I hit my knees and God was tugging at my heart at that point. As I got closer and closer to uh, drop this young man off, all I had to my name was 50 bucks. That was it. And that was in my wallet. And God was tugging at my heart and saying, give it to him. And he said, he'd, from what I remember from the conversation, he hadn't, ate, he hadn't eaten in a day or two. So he gets out of the car, and I hand him the 50 bucks. And he looks at me, what's this for? I could kind of see the tears welling up in his eyes. And uh, I said, God told me to give it to you. Plain and simple, I, you know, you need to take it. And he gave me a big hug, <clears throat> and we parted ways. Probably not more than a month later is when I attended my first service here. And from that point, I was reminded by, of a Bible verse. That's what I was pulling up here. And it's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as of chain, and them those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And when I attended that first service here, <clears throat> I realized who that young man was. And I can't see if he's still here. But that young man was the drummer and the worship team here. It was Dalen Dodd. And since that time, both of our lives have completely turned around. And since that time, I let God put on my heart to give him that $50, that last $50 I had to my name. I, had, to this day, have not been broke because of God's ultimate blessing. So if it's anything that I can give, it's so much that, that I've learned is do not give out of fear. Do not com be compelled to, fear, uh, to feel that you need to give out of fear. Don't hold back from that. As a matter of fact, that's when God wants you to give and step out in that faith. Learn from my testimony on this, and it will bless you. Awesome, awesome. I love, love that story. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. God said, do that. It's his last 50 bucks, and he's been taken care of since. The whole point of having faith is to receive. The end of faith is receiving what God has said you can have. It's how you got saved. It's how you received salvation was by faith. It is your receiving factor. So stay in faith. Be encouraged at what God has said. Be encouraged at His promise. Hold on to that above all else. And you will, the Scripture says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You believe that today? So just, just remind you of these things, these truths about having great faith. And that is, you know, God is merciful. You recognize Jesus' authority. You agree with the word of God and you receive the promise. Amen. Let's stand together and go get ready to picnic. Hallelujah. I'm so blessed that you came today. Thank you for being here. And those of you that are with us for the very first time, we're honored to have you with us. And you always have a place here at One Cause Church. Father, thank you for your blessing upon this time together. Thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us today in your scripture, Lord. I pray that your people will be encouraged, spirit, soul, and body, Lord. Lord, I thank you that today we understand our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is bigger than any mountain, any trouble that we are facing. Lord, just because we don't see a way doesn't mean there's not a way. You said, I am the way. And if we ever think for one minute there is no way, then what we're really admitting, there is no Jesus for me in this situation, and that can't be true. So Lord, thank you that you are the way in our situation. You are our way. You are the one who will guide us into all truth, and we're facing insurmountable odds, Father. I thank you that God plus me is a majority. It doesn't matter who's against us because God is on our side. God is for you. God is fighting for you. He's with you. He's helping you. Thank you, Lord, for that. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Lord, I pray today that your people would be strengthened in their faith, Lord, that they would hold on to hope, God, this hope that we have, which is Jesus Christ, is an anchor of our souls, God. It keeps us sure and steadfast, Lord. We're not tossed around by the waves, by the wind, by the circumstances of life. No, we're grounded. We're founded upon the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Though the winds blow and the rain falls and the floods rise, it will not take us out. Because, Lord, you made us that promise. And we thank you for the assurance that we have in you. That because you will not be moved, we will not be moved. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you always give us the victory and you always lead us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that you go with your people as they depart from here today, that your blessing is upon them in their going out as they've been blessed in their coming in. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I speak peace in their marriages. I speak peace in their relationships. I speak peace over their minds in the name of Jesus, that the troubled mind, the anxious mind, the worrisome mind, the confused mind now would be, would that, all that would go away in Jesus' name. And the peace of God would guard their hearts and their minds. Lord, show them your power. Show them your glory. Show them that you're with them, Lord. Lord, we want to experience not, not just life. We want to experience life with you. And know your strength and know your love and know your grace. And experience your help, God, that's so beyond what we can do and what this world can give us, God. And thank you, Lord, that you fill them with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That joy that will be their strength, God, right now. Lord, you are a very present help in time of need. I declare breakthrough now in Jesus' name. For those who are swallowed up, God, in bondage, swallowed up, Lord, in their circumstances, I declare breakthrough in Jesus' name, by that burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for freedom. Thank you for total deliverance in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that grace and peace be multiplied to your people from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Bless them during this holiday, them and their families, God. I thank you that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.